the way that we learn how to lead our teams, we're also coaches of our own team and our staff and our own children and our dogs and our, you know, the way that we learn how to manage and coach and train people. I think uh, I learned that early on through a mentor and through fortune. Welcome. You are listening to the Hero of the Hour podcast, the show dedicated to empowering you to take financial freedom into your own hands. Through expert interviews with decades of experience, this show will give you not only the tactical strategies of what's working in business, but the appropriate mindsets to master your financial future and build generational wealth. Heroes and entrepreneurs operate with a similar anything is possible mentality. And that is exactly what our show is about. Your host is none other than Mark B. Murphy, CEO of Northeast Private Client Group and best-selling author of three books, all dedicated to helping others plan for generational wealth. He and his team are on a mission to share their knowledge and techniques so that others can enjoy a life of financial security and freedom. Get ready to be inspired to create the life of your dreams. Let's go. In this episode, I am joined by an exceptional guest, Dr. Kim Hubinet. Together, we delve into Kim's remarkable journey spanning over three decades in dentistry. Influenced deeply by her father, a dentist and entrepreneur, Kim shares her experiences, unveiling the distinctive aspects of her dental practice. She highlights the warm, non-corporate ambiance that sets her office apart from the traditional dental environment. During our conversation, Kim opens up about her late husband and the profound bond they shared, united by common interests such as community service and outdoor activities. Our relationship persevered through challenges, including her husband's health struggles and eventual double lung transplant. I am honored to discuss Kim's resilience and adaptation following her husband's passing, emphasizing the significance of readiness for the future and maintaining equilibrium amid life's adversities. We also explore Kim's fiction novel, Grid, a narrative intertwined with themes of personal loss, survival, and healing. Drawing inspiration from her life's experiences, the book serves as a beacon for finding harmony in life, offering practical wilderness survival advice. Throughout our conversation, Kim imparts invaluable wisdom on life balance, advocating for the pursuit of passions and seeking support within our communities. Join me in this inspiring dialogue with Kim Hubinet, a journey marked by love, loss, and an unwavering commitment to personal growth. This episode is a testament to resilience and the immeasurable strength found in community support. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another uh, episode of the Hero of the Hour podcast. Uh, I'm Mark Murphy, the founder and CEO of Northeast Private Client Group. If you have to apologize up, up front, Kim, I'm a little under the weather today. Been fighting that uh, flu or something. People have been, uh, been going around, but we're going to muscle through this today. Uh, I'm the author of the number one best-selling book, uh, The Ultimate Investment. And uh, I'm with somebody that I've known for well over a decade, maybe going on for two decades. And uh, she is a Renaissance woman. 
she has been involved uh, in in many 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 businesses. But I first met her as a very very successful dentist who did things differently than other people did. Them. Meaning her office, when you walk into Kim's office, it just has a different feel than going to another office. So before I get it, we're going to spend the, the, the time we're together, Kim, talking about all the things you're doing. But I wonder, first start is, is how we met. We met as when you, you uh, were running this wildly successful dental practice and now continue to do that. T- tell us a little bit how you got into dentistry. So a little bit about myself. I've been doing dentistry over 30 years. I've owned two separate practices. Uh, My dad was a dentist, or actually still is a dentist. He's 79 years old, and he still goes back into his office twice a week, every other week. So he's uh, part-time, but he still loves it. He was one of my mentors in the early beginning stages, and he's the one that kind of developed my entrepreneurship in uh, business. As a dentist, he also dabbled in real estate. He dabbled in stocks and bonds and everything. And so that's probably where I've ultimately got my drive from is from him in the beginning and then surrounding myself with people like yourself, Mark, that I've known for over 20 years to people that, you know, mean something. Because even on an early age, when we would go to to different um parties with my parents they say now okay you know talk to Mr. so-and-so talk to Mrs. so-and-so and and, you know these are the kind of things you should kind of say don't you know don't act up like a kid okay so you know all of the parents that we were around they respected us and we respected them as you know the adults we would never be told to say them by the first name even if they said oh call me by my first name well, we would still say, okay, Mr. and Mrs., whatever, such that. You know, I, I, uh, I still will call my friend's parents Mr. So-and-so, you know, just out of respect, you know, that they're 80 years old. I, I would, you know, I would want to give them the respect. If they say, hey, call me Bill or call me Susie, I would do that. But, you know, I think there's, there is a level of respect that you should give people. And I think that's, that's missing. People are too, people are too familiar too familiar for you. Know, one thing before I want to just I don't want to spend too much time on dentistry, but the one thing I always was impressed when I came into your offices was they were very big and very successful, but they never felt corporate. They always felt like you were going to someone's home or somebody's. You were going going to a, you were you were going to a friend's office, not to a corporate dental office. And you know I, I know you must have done that on purpose. Yeah, our. Our house, it's like a little house, a cottage, um, you know, it's very warming and inviting. We have, it doesn't smell like a dental office. Uh, we put little incense or, you know, <laughs> little scent stuff in there. My staff calls everybody by their first name, you know, or, or their Mr. or Mrs., how they want to be called. You're often going to find me walking my patients up to the front as well as my assistants or, you know, even if they didn't need an exam that day, I always tell my hygienist, hey, I'm going to pop in and say hi for a couple minutes, you know. You, you know, the, uh, you know, get right into it. I, I, I you know, I was, I was thinking about how we were going to talk about this today, but uh, I got a chance on a couple of occasions to meet your husband, uh, Mark. And, uh, and all I can tell you is that um, I don't want to use the right words because I don't think there's any words that are appropriate for it. But uh, he was a pretty courageous guy, and uh, you're a pretty courageous gal. 
And why don't you just tell people who do who've not read your book, and I want to get into your book in a minute, Grid, but I want to talk a little bit about a little bit about your marriage because you know when you're in my business, you see marriages, and you see most marriages are unhappy. You see most marriages where the people are not connected together, and uh, you guys were always appeared to me to be connected as one. So why don't you tell a little bit of story about your marriage and about your husband, and and about the about your life. I'd, I'd love, I think people would be fascinated by that. And it's so heartwarming and both upsetting at the same time. Yeah. So my husband passed away about four years ago now. And because of him and because of our life together, I wrote this book. And with the amount of like pressures and regular families and so forth, he had a double lung transplant since the day I met him. And we became friends first. And then we became, you know, intimate and so forth and together. And basically, he moved down to San Diego to be with me for five years. And then I moved, sold my first practice and moved up to be with him because of his, uh, condition was getting worse and worse. And he had his double lung transplant at Stanford. So he wanted to be closer to them. So we moved up back up to Northern California by his folks. And we were always on the same page. We connected because of sushi, for the love of sushi. We met at a sushi restaurant in Las Vegas. We both loved Las Vegas, not because of the gambling, but for the people watching. And we also had a sense of community, service above self. So even though he had his double lung transplant and he was doing a whole bunch of things for his health, he couldn't really have a full-time career. So he ended up helping search and rescue. He volunteered for Sonoma Search and Rescue. They have to have this whole vetting process of you apply, then they go through a background check and so forth. And he ended up for eight years, even though he was a little sick at those times, still going out and helping find and rescue people in our community. You know, the the thing that you always shared with me is that he was, your marriage and his life was on a time. You didn't know what the timing was going to be, but you knew that it was going to be short. And I think, you know, the the one thing you start to think about is none of us get out of this game alive. We all die in the end. But the idea is that at a very young age, you knew that he did not have time on his side. Your marriage did not have time on his side. How does that affect how you approach every day? How does it affect how you thought about it? How does it affect how he thought about it? Well, on his end, he he forced me to learn how to do lots of things like, you know, uh, survival. He would make me help him change, you know, the batteries in the car, for instance, or, you know, help change a tire or, you know, know what to put in my bag for like a bug out bag, going out into the wilderness and learning how to shoot something, you know, shoot, shoot a fish and camp. And instead of him just carrying everything, doing it himself, I would be involved. I would be the one actually doing it mostly, you know. He'd say, okay, now you go get this. Let's go pack this. Let's, you know, he, he, and the way that 
he taught me how to do things. I wanted to learn it too, right? I wanted to know that because we knew that one day he was going to be gone and I'd be left holding the bag, so to speak. But, you know, with all of this pressure of owning a business, running a household, learning how to survive, I've gone through all of it. And now I'm kind of helping others, you know, that are doing the same thing or wanting to know how to do the same thing, do it. Um, it's really fulfilling to me because I've survived it. It was devastating, obviously, even when you're going through it, even though we knew that that was going to happen the day of, it never prepares you. When that, that day really happened, it really like, you know, I had vertigo for a couple of weeks. Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, the, the thing that impressed me, and again, I, you know, we're, I don't see you day to day. So it's not like I, you know, I'm in your life day, you know, day to day, but I've been in your life a long time. And the thing that was always astounding to me about you is that you made him a priority. You made your marriage a priority, but that was not at the expense of the rest of your life. Your business was very successful. You were able to somehow, in a way, make everything work in both elegance and excellence and, and had, a, and had a, a full, complete life in every area of your life. At the same time, knowing you, you had this short time with him, it, it seemed like, you know, that, that uh, you know, people say you can't have it all. From the outside, at least, it seemed like with all the things going on, nobody figured out how to get, if not all of it, certainly most all of it, than you. How were you able to do that? How how were you able to, to make it work? Because most people would have just fallen to pieces. I have the capability of compartmentalizing things. You know, as well as I do when, you know, when we're looking at business and learning how to match, you know, people together and staff members, we do, you know, personality test profiling, right? Well, that's one of my natural abilities is to be able to compartmentalize things. And so, yes, obviously at the beginning, I had a reaction, but then I figured it out real fast. And if you don't know me personally, a lot of people wouldn't know my story because I'm able to keep business in the business, keep personal in the personal, and be able to function. Well, why don't you tell people about that? Because I think that about 99 point, you know, the, the ivory soap, 99 and 44 hundredths of the people out there have a hard time with that, or that's an everyday challenge for them. So why don't you tell them your story? I think people, people would love to hear. So basically, you know, the day that we had the fires in 2017 and we got evacuated, Mark was on his oxygen tank at the time. So, you know, he told me, okay, go get this, go get this, you know, go do this, get our camper, call my dad. So we did all of that. And basically, when we were sitting out at the Veterans Memorial Building for two weeks, he was still doing his work and I was still trying to get to my work. And we still said, okay, this is, we had a plan. 
you're going to do your work during the day. I'll try to do my work during the day to get to Sonoma because I had to go all the way around the county just to get to my office. And it, it took me three hours to get to my office every day to during those fires. And so he knew that whenever he talks to me or if he calls me, we know that if it's an emergency, he's going to call the front office desk because I don't answer my phone during the day. You just have to have a set set of guidelines and rules for yourself that you're going to follow and be be prepared to follow them. I write down a list every night before I go to sleep. Now I use my cell phone to do it so that and it's segmental. Like I might have 10 appointments today, but no one's going to know because I I have it all compartmentalized. I'm very organized when it comes to that. Other thing is my partner, Mark, he was the same. He, like-minded people kind of just meshed with like-minded people. And in my office, I'm always, I'm also, my staff knows that I do things a certain way. And if it goes off the, off the thing a little bit, I get a little bit, you know, off, but then I am able to reapproach because we have like a certain word that we say, you know, that gets us back to the, to the level of, okay, it's go time. You know, is that, can you share that word or is that word private? Oh, so it's changed over the years. 10 years ago, it was a uh, purple heart. <laughs> uh, and then um, now it's Loki. Loki. Loki okay. was my old dog. Like, that she she was a Mark and I mine's old dog. And that's that's another thing. Can you believe that you can train a dog to be like your own personality? I I um I'm not surprised by that, but I did not know that. Because you can. My husband Mark trained two of our dogs to be just like us. They never bit anything, chewed at anything. We could leave something on the you know floor, and they were fine. Well, I can from personal observation. I've never saw you, you or Mark bite anybody, so I will say that. That's no, a, but I mean personality I, I wise, you know, like very calm, very you know. How do I say? And then now my third dog, which Mark has never met, we I had a trainer, and same thing because I've learned from his teachings and the way he treated people and the way you know it's the way you treat something or somebody you get treated back the same way have you noticed that life is getting more and more expensive from grocery prices to real estate values everywhere you turn prices seem to be skyrocketing well mark has dedicated decades of his career and life to serving entrepreneurs and professionals to build real wealth, and in most cases, multi-generational wealth. The reality is, we all have to navigate turbulent times in this economy, but the difference will be for those that have a roadmap and a customized plan for building wealth. That's why, as a listener to this podcast, we are so excited to share with you first access to Mark's newest book, The Ultimate Investment, a roadmap to grow your business and build multi-generational wealth. When you access this book, you'll discover how to know when you're working a job instead of a business. That hard work isn't all about hours put in. This will make you more productive. 
Why you need to live with your back against a wall. How to surround yourself with the right people who support your vision. And so much more. Go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book to get access now. Once again, go to www.markbmurphy.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. I know you love Mark very much. You love him. You loved him. Um, one of the questions that I think people would want to know, and, I, and if you don't want to answer this, we, 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 I don't want you to answer it. But you're a very smart, very attractive, very successful doctor, very young, have your whole life in front of you. And you meet this man that you know has a certain death sentence, and you decide to marry him and spend your life with him. There's an awful lot of people I know that even if they love somebody, would have taken a pass on that opportunity. What was the what was the inflection point where you said, "We're burning the I'm burning the boats behind us. This is my guy, and whatever time we have left, we're going to make the most of it." What what what's the thought process behind that? Because it's not like this happened after you were married for 20 years and somebody got sick and you go, "Hey, that's the deal." You you knew what the, you knew what the deal was going in. From day one, he said, "Are you are you afraid of scars?" And I said, "No," you know. And then he showed me his clamshell of the scar. I think what it was is that even my father saw this. He said, Kim, when you first met Mark and you brought him home, you do you know that every other guy you asked, what do you think? And for Mark, you never asked us, what do I think? What do we think about him? Because you knew in your heart that was the guy for you. We, we were similar in the fact that he had a Bronco, I had a Jeep. He liked the wilderness. I liked the wilderness. He grew up camping. I grew up camping. You know, we did community service together. You know, I, I'm all about community service. We, we do lots of community service even, even now and even before. Even when we were younger, my dad was a Kwanian, and he was the president of his chapter one year, and we did a lot of community service growing up. So it's also probably your family, your surroundings. And then when you find a like-minded person like you, it just connects. You just don't think about the other. Yeah, I kind of thought about it. I'm a healthcare provider. I knew that I probably would outlive him, but you know, it's, what what is that saying? It's to have loved than to never have loved. Well, I'd rather have a, Rather about uh, that period of time of an extraordinary life than a than a long, you know, horrible life. Uh, and it's fulfilling. Better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. There you go. That's the that's the saying. And and it's fulfilling enough to me that four years later, I'm still loving my life. I memorialize him d- daily. I. You know, I talk to him, but I'm not like a consumed by, oh, uh, Mark's dead or whatever. He would have wanted me to. In fact, he is still around. I know he is watching over me. And he's always said, hey, you know, you're going to meet somebody after me. You're going to get married. You're going to, you know, have a, a, a life without me. But, you know, maybe it'll happen. I'll meet somebody. Maybe, you know, but I'm not discounting the fact that I would never meet somebody. 
but hopefully they're going to be the same kind of caliber, <laughs> you know? I mean, they're not going to be the same exact. I'm not going to try to find somebody just like Mark, obviously, but I'm not opposed to finding another. And he would have liked me to. I, I, I think that's a testament to who he was. Tell us about the book. You wrote this book. It's a fascinating book. Why don't you tell people why you wrote the book and why they should want to read it? So my book does two things. It's about a lady that loses her husband in a wildfire, and then she goes out into the wilderness and finds balance in life, Go goes out hunting, shooting, fishing, lives off the land, off grid. And in the back of the book, the appendix has a whole bunch of lists of how to uh, build your own bug out bag for your pets or yourself and so forth. And I decided to write something like that for a contribution to society for two reasons. One, to help somebody that has lost a loved one and then the to survive. And then again, surviving by yourself in the wilderness survival for Mark, because he was always into a survivalist type of mentality. And both things helped me contribute to his life story as well, because the prologue also talks about, about his life. And I chose to do it instead of a memoir or a biography for him, because no one's going to know him. I just wanted to make a story first of somebody that could go out and just live the life and just get themselves into it. It's on Audible. It's it's on Amazon as well. And we're getting it on Audible pretty soon, within the next week. It's on Books A Million too? Yeah. E-books? Yeah. You know, the... the uh... It's interesting. Was that was that a cathartic practice, uh, process, writing that book? It took a while. Yeah. It took a couple of years, I think, right? Yeah. And uh, I had a few things that I was writing over the years that I wanted to incorporate, but then I chose to make it, you know, so that other people could understand it better. And... I want to say that it really helped me heal as well while I was writing the book. It gave us memories of things or me memories of things. And even though it's not a true story, there are things in it that are true. You know what I said? You know what I saw on uh, Facebook? I think it was the you know, last day or two, you know, with, all, with the holiday season coming around, I saw something where you every every week you ask your parents because both of my parents died in their 90s from alzheimer's and dementia and i wish in their 80s i would have once a week asked them to tell us a story about their life or about something interesting and i, I think this book is you do that for a week and then you you put a book together based on your parent like i wish i would have now that they're gone i wish i would have had some of the memories that, and stories that i probably would have forgotten and things about their life that i may never have known and uh, I just thought that was just such a fabulous idea to to be able to to pay it forward. And you know, uh, you know, I think sometimes like uh, continuing to remember that that uh, that your life I think uh, brings up a lot of some I'm sure a few painful memories, but mostly great great memories. You know, I, I want to change the subject a little bit because 
you know, I've always believed that everybody should have an executive coach, that all that the best athletes in the world have coaches, that the best CEOs in the world have coaches. You know, we've uh, you, you've had a, you've had an executive coach at Fortune for, you know, for the time that I've known you or most of the time. Tell us about your thinking about having a coach and tell us about the work that Fortune has done for you over the course of your career. Well, I have had Fortune practice management probably for since 1998. Wow. And I started off in San Diego with one of the first coaches that they ever had down there. And then when I moved up to Northern California, my uh, my dental partner at the time, she also had fortune. And basically we're like, wow, we're birds of a feather, I guess. So we had continued to use fortune over the past years and she became a coach also and a dental coach with Fortune. And I think that naturally learning how to teach somebody how to do something, you're going to know it better. So the way that we learn how to lead our teams we're also coaches of our own team and our staff and our own children and our dogs and our, you know, the way that we learn how to manage and coach and train people. I think uh, I learned that early on through a mentor and through fortune. Any name you want to mention? Any shout out you want to give to somebody who in that world has made a difference in your life? Well, yes. Yeah, so I've had three coaches. They, I'm the joke that I've had. I need three coaches at a time. So <laughs> I've had uh, Bernie has been my coach. Bernie, Bernie Stoltz, the the CEO of Fortune Practice Management, and then his managing uh, partner uh, Laura Boone right. as my coach. And I also had. My first coach was Brenda Barber. She's not there anymore. She was my first coach in the beginning. But uh, Bob Bob Leonard also has been part of my team. So at one point, I had three of them at the same time. Well, you know, I, I just think it's three different things, you know. It just points out that, you know, you, you know, that coaching is a lifetime experience. It's, it's you know, I think some people think they're going to go in for six months or a year and get fixed. And they're done. And I think you've proven that that's how the best get better is with, as, as Fortune says, can I, constant and never ending improvement. And, uh, you know, you've been you've been the poster child for that, uh, not only in your life, but also for them, I'm sure, as well. I mean, you're starting your 26th year and, you know, there you, you know, I know I know how much you get out of it. I know how much I get out out of it by being associated with Fortune. And it's a uh, it's just a special, special place as you are a a special, special person yourself. You know, as as we sort of wrap up, any last things you'd like to leave the people that are watching this podcast? What what advice would you give them? Is there anything that any any wisdom that uh, you'd like to share with folks? Well, number one, you can do anything in life that you want to do. Encourage you to balance your life. Check things off of your bucket list. Go do it. 
go find somebody to help you do it. Hey, if I don't have a person to go do something with that I want, I go find a group. And you people, we are supposed to be in a community. We're not supposed to be on our own. You do, you, you people can do more things when they're in a group and together. And I just think that in life, lean on somebody that you know that will be able to help you and support you. And sometimes they will lean on you and treat everybody that is around you and supporting you as you want to be treated. Whether it be a person, a, a pet, or, you know, they'll treat you back the way you treat them. And if they don't, they're not supposed to be in your life. Once in a lifetime, you get the opportunity to start over. Thank you so much for getting me on your podcast. Thank you for taking your time. Cool. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Hero of the Hour podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share the podcast episode with them. You can catch the show notes for this episode and more at www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to check out the other great books and resources on the website while you're there. Once again, it's www.markbmurphy.com forward slash podcast. All links can be found in the description below. We look forward to serving you on the next episode. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS or Guardian, and opinions stated are their own. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS. OSJ, 200 Broad Hollow Road, Suite 405, Melville, New York, 11747, 631-589-5400. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Northeast Private Client Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0B36048. Arkansas Insurance License Number 741545. Expiration and submission numbers located in the show notes.